welcome to The Lux Files, a podcast for occultists about occultists. I'm your host, Sean, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to subscribe to The Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on all the new episodes. Hello, everyone. Back for round two on the Lux Files is Michelle Boulanger, author, psychic, occultist, television personality. I can go on and on, but I won't. Hello, Michelle. Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Wonderful. Just, Go. you know, just, just getting by. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, there's something new that you can add to your bio. And I dare say probably the most important thing, you are the first returning guest to the podcast. Oh, cool. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> and what did I say about the dogs? So I've got the seal of approval. Yeah. Yeah. They love you. So thank you guys. Thanks. Now be quiet. Uh, yeah. So uh, things are good. Keeping busy. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Most recently I've been doing a lot of remote work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by that, I mean, remote psychic work. So, okay. so okay. viewing locations remotely for a couple of different teams. Excellent. And how's that going? pretty fun it's uh it's neat sort of to to stretch my my legs with that like I do a lot of remote energy work and ritual work as Mm -hmm. part of my practice but haven't done like filmed on camera readings remotely from a location so that's been fun now has that been something (laughs) like you've never really explored um not officially on any of the shows Uh, and it's 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 interesting because like I've been honestly I'm more comfortable doing a lot of remote work than I am physically being on the location not that I'm you know not not for any reason that I'm scared of the location but that I find uh the physical place very distracting from the other stuff that I'm trying to perceive and and I like as blank a slate as possible and the easiest way to do that is to not be there at all yeah yeah Um, but uh, I don't so, think that, a lot of times you go in yeah. and you're blindfolded. So that helps. But does that yeah. not help enough or it helps? It helps to some extent, but there's always some some information that I can't, you know, completely rule out. And I'm going to know generally the region that I'm driving to hmm. or being flown to uh, and like, you know, time periods of activity in that location uh there's a lot of auditory and scent um other like information that you get especially when you take your eyes away like you i can tell if i'm walking into a big building if we're outside like there's there's a bunch of things that like i can't uh just can't ignore that yeah Um, i mean a jail that's been shut down for 50 years and someone's home is going (laughs) to smell slightly different Yes, they do. And, yeah. and once you've been in enough moldering old buildings, you start to go, hmm, smells like an asylum. Okay. Or, oh, no, I think this might be an old hospital. Oh. I was just going to ask that. Do they have, you know, you have the old asylums, the old jails and prisons, the old hospitals. Do they have different smells? 
It's a little bit more that the scent is different based on the construction material and sometimes mm -hmm. the age of the building. Right. So different masonry, if it's more of a stone, if it's more brick, if it's more a uh, cinder block, all of those have a slightly different smell. Mm -hmm. uh, if, especially if they are older buildings in disrepair and there's a lot of moisture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, an old wood has a, has a particular scent. Yeah. So all of that is some information that starts to like, you know, your, your brain can't help but try to like put pieces together. Like that's how it's wired. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's interesting. But it, like you're, you're going to kind of, I would assume, kind of go back to normal uh, with traveling and actually going to places though. You know, what like. I, I mean, what I hope is that uh, shows and things will allow for a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Like, like I think my ideal would be to have uh, a filmed sort of like pregame on the location before I've traveled there, before I've been told like what's going on to just do a reading from a distance and then okay. also do boots on the ground and sort of compare the two. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense, that makes sense. I just want everything to go back to normal. Yeah, and, you know, I, mean, I, I, I knew I, I know everything like we're not going to be in this perpetual state of of yeah. pandemic lockdown, you know, there's plenty of people out there that like this is all done by the government to keep us inside and never do anything again. Okay, whatever. I mean, like, knock this up with your the government wants you to spend money the government doesn't yeah. want you to sit in your house <laughs> yeah exactly um so like i i know things are going to go back to normal but it wasn't like i got my first uh my first vaccine on the 7th and um and when i booked it like in my province you had to book your first and second appointment at the same time and back then we were doing the four month um mm -hmm. between so my first my second dose i uh was booked for the 27th of september oh I and yeah but you know then we got in this huge influx like i mean in one week uh in it, it, second week of june we got something like and you know our population is like 39 million in canada um we got in like 12 million doses in one week something like that so you know all the, mm -hmm. the provinces were, were changing and adapting to the influx of of um uh of doses so we were able to rebook our second doses earlier so i was able to rebook my second dose for july 20th which is it oh i totally forgot it's canada day today i was gonna say yeah I, canada I, day. <laughs> what better way to spend canada day than with my american friends now, just for the record, everyone that's listening to this or watching this, this isn't actually going out on Canada Day. So I do know when Canada Day is. So don't like don't try to correct you and be like, like I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, today is July 1st, where we're actually recording this. Um, we are speaking so, yeah. to you from the past. <laughs> yeah. So it's already like 19 days away and I get my second dose and yesterday I got my first haircut in four months so I'm actually feeling mm -hmm. like that things are, are, are not just thinking that I know things will get back to normal mm -hmm. but I'm starting to feel it and um I'm starting to not plan for down the road but 
think about mm -hmm. uh, down the road, which is nice. And I don't know what it's like in the States. Like I know you guys, a lot of the places were opening earlier than, than we are. I don't know if, you know, it, there's that same sort of feeling. I know some states like with really low vaccination rates, their cases are going back up. So maybe, I don't know, it, just here it feels like things are, are happening. It's weird out here because I'd say the vast majority of folks in the states are in complete denial and are convinced that we've beat it. Everything's yeah. fine. There wasn't really a pandemic in the first place. And let's just go out and do stuff. Yeah. Uh, and India did that and, and that yeah. well for them. Yeah. And we got Delta out of that. So I'm hoping we don't end up with something else. But yeah. Yeah. Well, th <laughs> Yeah, I mean, things. I think things are going to get back to normal or a fair semblance of normal. I know, like, um, you know, I, I think we may have talked about this when you were on last. Um, throughout almost the entire pandemic, um, CBC News, which is our, our national um, news channel, um, would have uh, American politicians come on quite a bit and be like, you guys have to open up the border and even during like the worst of mm. the pandemic um uh when you guys you know were, were like over 100 like 150,000 new cases every day stuff like that they're like oh it's not right you have to let americans come into canada no, no. as much as i'd like to visit no. my friends north of the border you don't want no. us right now no. i love i love <laughs> my american friends i love oh which reminds me Anyway, I'll finish the thought. I love my American friends, but no, I'm, you're not coming here. Like, no, just no, let's no. end of story. Um, but that reminds me because uh, the week after your episode, I uh, interviewed, um, you know, Bob Freeman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, so we're yapping. I was telling him, um, the dream I was telling you about, like after we finished recording and I'd mentioned to him that dream and he's like, oh, you and, and Michelle need to come here. Um, and he has a, an, uh, an odd fellows hall there in Converse that he's been um, investigating for like two decades. He's like, you guys have to come down and, and visit and I'll take you around, blah, 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 blah. And so just FYI, I'm like, well, yeah, sure, I'm down for that. But then I proceeded to be like, yeah, no, Michelle and I will do that. So apparently I'm making decisions for you. So I mean, I would love to like actually that. meet meet Bob face to face. We've well, followed some interesting parallel very, lines. Very interesting parallel lines, um, which was kind of cool. To, uh, that was really highlighted because I interviewed you both back to back, but he's only a four hour drive away from you. And um, oh, that's easy. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. And um, he's a 13 hour drive away from me, which actually is a very uh, that's that's a breeze of a drive. I love long distance driving. When I lived in Texas, I'd always drive back here to Canada when I'd visit and I'd make it as far as like Duluth. Mm -hmm. So like I drive for like 26 hours straight, but I love doing stuff like that. So a 13 hour drive, that's a breeze. I leave yeah, for, in the morning, get there. In the, to, so here to where yeah. my mom used to live, sorry. 
Yeah, so apparently the three of us are going to do some um, ghost busting in Converse. And, um, you know, he writes in his books uh, a lot about the area. And he did a really great 30 Days of Halloween and with some lore and, and stuff about the area. And he really is, he really brings with his writings, um, especially in his books, he really brings that area to life. And so I feel like I, I, I'm intimately familiar with it. So now I really want to go and and visit Bob and explore that area. So um, yeah, so just just let you know, I made the decision for, for you. So cool. there we go. Um, yeah. So anyways, enough about me. I'm just kidding. Let's talk more about me. Um, <laughs> enough about me. So the last time you were on, uh, we were um, talking, we got up to the point where you and Elfie were in the wilds of Oregon um, with uh, uh, a crew member on uh, um paranormal state and you guys were um reenacting the whole Oregon trail thing but you didn't need each other so that's good you guys survived that no cannibalism but once um uh so we were going to pick up there for this episode but once we stopped recording you had remembered a podcast that you wanted to mention a bit about that you were doing or you were on or something while you were in college there was something about Ooh. a podcast because we we went from oh you, I, you in co- okay. oh not in college after college because we went yeah. from your college days to you writing to just starting paranormal state and then when we ended you're like oh there's podcasts so if you want to start with that podcast mm-hmm. and then um jump right into um where you left off in Oregon? Well, well, shortly before I started working with Paranormal State, I had started up a podcast with uh, Chris Miller, who was the one of the lead developers for Patio Books. So he was kind of like on the ground floor of podcasting in the middle 2000s. And we, we called it Shadow Dance Podcast, which was a callback to a magazine that I ran from 91 to 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the magazine was more like gothic literary vampire adjacent. Uh, the podcast was uh, pagan pop culture and weird, uh, which these days it would have been like the best thing ever. Yeah. Uh, back then, nobody knew what a podcast was. It was still right. um, number one in its category on iTunes. So we were up there with Dio's Shadow and a couple of the other groundbreaking early pagan podcasts. Ran for a couple of years. Uh, I don't think that there are archived episodes of it online anywhere. Um, due to a death in the family, we uh, we fumbled the website, and when it was supposed to get like re-upped, it didn't. And somebody it was so popular, somebody parked it and was trying to like sell it back to us for uh, like fifteen thousand dollars. Oh no! Uh, at which point we were like, nah, mm. nah, <laughs> sorry, no. Yeah. So if you find shadowdancepodcast.com, that's not us anymore. Uh, but I know that it was foundational for the time. And it was interesting because like, I was like doing paranormal state stuff. I was doing uh, convention things. Uh, I had some like really neat early interviews on the podcast. So uh, Christopher Penzak, uh, a lost interview with Zuzana Budapest. Oh. Because 
because my skills at the tech side of things not so great especially back then like these days you want a podcast you have an ipad you're good you have an iphone you're good back then it was a lot more equipment and a lot more fiddly and if you didn't know audacity or something you were kind of screwed uh trying to think of who all else we had on there uh, lots of lots of neat stuff and mm -hmm. lots of neat people just good conversations all around like like we, we just would start with a topic and kind of like see where it took us um and that i forget why that why i was reminded of that beyond the fact that you know back in my day we had a podcast before anybody even knew what a podcast was <laughs> i don't know you know it because we we ended the episode and then we were just chit-chatting and you were like oh i forgot yeah. about you know so i don't know if it was just something that you wanted to mention or or if it seemed like there was any sort of like special relevance tying into um, the the transition from from what we were talking about before starting onto the paranormal state stuff. I think it was mo mostly because like that time period uh, from from like two thousand two to probably twenty ten is like this interesting transition period because 2002 is when I went back on tour with my metal band. It mm. was like a reunion uh, and that led into doing more convention work again. Uh, and that led into the podcast and like just all of this stuff sort of folded into everything else. Uh, writing for the Paranormal Insider, which was the, uh, the blog tie-in for Paranormal State. So I was writing that stuff with Rosemary Ellen Guiley and I think Lloyd Auerbach and some other folks uh, before I was on actually on Paranormal State. Right. Because that's the thing is like, I, I wasn't uh, asked to be a psychic on, on the show. I was asked to be a researcher uh, and it was this wrong turn in Oregon where they brought me out to be Elfie's mentor um, to kind of, I mean, Elfie was going through some stuff. She'd lost her father and her brother in rapid succession in the middle of all of this there. She's, she's like one of a small group of friends who are all introverts who mm -hmm. are suddenly in this like smash hit with 3.5 million viewers. And that's just the, the, the U S viewership and, and like, you know, just everything is going on and like how overwhelming that is. Uh, so they wanted someone to kind of draw her out of her shell they, they, they saw her as being kind of in a shell at the time and uh chip coffee was the psychic on that case uh it, the episode is called the messenger uh it's in i think gold beach oregon and it's this uh this woman who has a house that's near to where uh, a fatal car accident had happened and she's experiencing uh, a bunch of different things and uh once we showed up, albeit very late after this like wrong turn through the logging roads and like burned forest and just, whoa, um, like, like hours of wrong turns. Um, just for the record, just for the, the, the younger <laughs> listeners, um, there were no uh, smartphones and GPS Google Maps. So we did get lost back in the day. Oh, yeah. It, we, even if we'd had it, uh, there was no option so so there was this point where because because it was me it was the the pa and it was chip coffee in this in this thing because like we'd shown up late there this one had been fraught with things like there was a bunch of delays with people flying in like we got in late so 
what I remember is I'm sitting in the back, Chip's, Chip took shotgun, um, the other guy's driving, and he's the other guy is like trying to navigate back to where they're going. From the, he's picked me up at one hotel, Chip up at another hotel, and off we go. Mm. There's a point where he makes a turn and there is a sign. And the thing is, is it's not like, you know, a printed sign that you'd expect to find, um, you know, by the transit authority. Like it's it's this big wooden sign and it, it sort of has a rustic look to it. And it says, warning, logging road, no cell reception. You can be stranded. You may die. Oh, like wow. just straight up. <laughs> and I'm like guys and, and i believe chef's re reaction was like oh that's got to be somebody's prank and i'm like that looks kind of serious i don't know if we're supposed to be going we went that way anyway <laughs> you know a sign like that i'd be like we're going that way like i can i, I can see the interstate this way we're going that way yeah we, we, we could have gone this way or we went where the sign said you might die yeah so we went we went there and of course it didn't take long before there was no cell reception. The guy driving hadn't let us know that he was an insulin-dependent diabetic and hadn't brought food along and didn't expect to be driving for hours. Uh, we had a flat tire up on the logging road. It was a one-lane logging road. So like, we're there, there's sheer rock face, there's sheer rock face, and then there's logging trucks coming straight at us. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was it was a whole experience. Yeah. Now, did 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 you guys, you know, with all of the mishaps from like starting from like, you know, delayed flights all the way to that. Were, did you guys discuss like, is this just a series of coincidences or is, is something going on with this? this one? This one was interesting because it's not like it was a demonic case. It wasn't a particularly scary case. It was, you know, some guy had rolled, like, like had, had crashed, rolled his car, uh, smashed his head in in the the thing. So he was kind of being seen as a headless ghost. But it was just some dude. Like, like it's not like there was there was bad stuff going on. In retrospect, um, because of some things that were not related to the haunting, I actually wonder if some people's better angels uh, or spirit guides or whatever anything that might be looking out for them were trying to not so subtly say nah you don't want this case mm. no really it's more trouble than it's worth no no really just turn back now yeah um because it was on the back end it was way more trouble than it was worth it was a lot of weird kind of sketchy stuff on the part of the client like it was just it was weird um mm. And that had nothing to do with the ghosts. Right, right. That was just people. Interesting. It almost sounds like that whole scenario, if that was all on film, would have made a better episode than the actual investigation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say that in, in my life, if I'm supposed to go somewhere and there are that many obstacles tossed into my path, I will kind of stop, reassess <laughs> and go, okay, Am I being told something or is this just reality because sometimes shit happens? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just kind of like, you know, make my judgment from there of like, well, maybe I should take this as a sign. Yeah. And wait another day. Because like literally everything that could go wrong with getting us to that location, uh, multiple people, it, it, it just did. Mm -hmm. So, so 
how did that episode, was it that episode where you transitioned from researcher to, to psychic or was mm-hmm. it? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so what happened? I was- mean, I've, I, I, I loved paranormal state. It was my, like I said, it was my first um, paranormal show. I'm excluding Dana's show just because you know, that was a small Canadian show for yeah. one season. No one knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, but, but don't don't exclude Dana. Like she's, I mean, I don't she's, exclude it because every time yeah. I talk about Paranormal State, I talk about Dana's show yeah. um, as my first real, you know, but, I, I, you know, more just for like the listeners, just so because they know what we're talking about with Paranormal yeah. State. I mean, I've literally seen every, every episode more than once. So I, I wish I can, in my head, be like, oh, I know what case you're talking about, but I I, I, I can't. It, it was a largely forgettable episode, honestly. Yeah. Um, so how I ended up doing psychic work on that episode was, so we take this wrong turn, and there's multiple times where I'm like, hey, guys, I don't think we should go this way. Hey guys, be careful. I think we're going to get a flat tire. Hey guys, we oh, I've got a bad feeling about this. And eventually Chip was like, are you psychic? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I, I wrote books about psychic development. He's like, why didn't you tell people that you were psychic? You know, in his very sweet, like yeah. Southern accent. I'm like, they didn't ask. You notice how I... he doesn't age. <laughs> hmm? You yeah. notice how he doesn't age? Like he looks yeah, he's, he's the same now. That he I, did I think back in the day. Kind of like how Samson's power is in his hair, Chip's power is in his scarf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Atlanta humidity helps too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, long story short was since Chip was there to do the psychic work uh, and he was like, but you're psychic too, uh, there was sort of a it wasn't framed as a competition. It was more, let's throw two people at this and see if we get the same results or different results. Mm. So they kept me aside outside of the house. Chip went and did his thing. People filmed him doing his thing. Um, and then when he was done, they're like, you, you willing to go? And they did the same thing with me. And the really cool thing was we hit on the same places in the house. Okay, that sounds familiar. There was a thing with a bathroom this house was weirdly decorated. There was this enormous, kitschy Egyptian sarcophagus recreation at the end of a hallway. It's like from, I, I immediately recognize it from Design Toscano. Uh, they, they, a bunch of different things. There was sort of like a seance thing at this like little low coffee table. The client was a uh, probably five foot two, five foot three blonde uh, white woman uh, probably late 30s early 40s i'm terrible with age yeah but yeah so uh, both chip and i ended up picking up on the same hot spots in the house and broadly the same sort of uh, imprints of experiences and from there uh, i remember the conversation in like the little front hallway of the family where you know they're like so what should your your log line or your tagline or, or something be? And I'm like, uh, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? Because like I I I've done stuff on documentaries before this, but not like what you're talking about. Uh, and they're like, well, what do you call yourself? And I'm like, psychic vampire, uh, something else, mystic, something else. Mm. And like I went down a list of like, here are things that I do, and they they chose none of them they're like that's too much work to explain that's too much work to explain and they were just like psychic medium it is and i'm like yeah. 
Yeah. I don't actually like the word site. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> you hit the marketing machine there. Yep. Yep. Well, just like Elfie the witch. Yeah. No, and, and that's the thing is like one of the things about TV is you do have to simplify, especially terms and titles yeah. for the audience. You have to you, you have to at least meet the audience halfway in what you expect the audience to have context for. Um, and I mean, I wasn't a stranger to that. I'd done uh, a documentary piece with um, Inbal Lesnar for Night Bites, Women, of their, Women and Their Vampires. And it was for like, uh, we, uh, this was like 2000, something like that. Actually, it might've been a little bit later than that. It was the, it, we did a follow-up in February in LA and it sticks in my head because it was the day that the second space shuttle blew up. And it was like an all Israeli oh, crew. Okay, okay. And there was an Israeli national on, on that one. And like there was just, everything stopped yeah. for a little while because, because bad. Um, but since that one was, uh, they were asking about the allure of the vampire and like the sexual qualities of the vampire. And like, I very casually was like, blah, 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 BDSM community. And they were just like, could you, could you explain that very, could you use a different term? Like, nobody's going to know what you're talking about. I'm like, but, but how? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Regular folk don't apparently have this as just part of their everyday language. This is before Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And, and like post Fifty Shades of Grey, people would be like, oh, like Christian Grey. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> not even a little bit there's yeah. actually consent safe sane and consensual and not just a whole bunch of edgelord bullshit anyway <clears throat> i have opinions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh our world i i just yeah we live in a different world we really do we really do i mean i'm used to that part it's just you know like like just some basic context but but yeah. anyway so thereafter i was a psychic medium um which was really funny because i had just gotten done lecturing at slippery rock university and went on record as saying i don't like the word psychic and here's why and then they were like but you're a psychic on this show and i'm like i still don't like the word psychic i think it makes everything a little too special and precious and like gives you the impression that like only i the bona fide psychic can do the psychic things whereas yeah. honestly i'm like just about everybody has these perceptions like they're they're a normal natural thing we've just kind of shoved them in a corner and everything about our culture has told us that they're wrong and it's superstitious and to believe in anything beyond uh simultaneously a uh white conservative christian reality but also this materialistic uh, pseudo-scientific, nothing is real beyond what you can physically touch reality. Only those two options are real. Never mind that they don't actually like really go together, but they do, they must. Yeah. And everything else is bad, rank superstition, yeah. and you should feel bad and sit in your corner and not be an animist. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how something can be bad, but also not existent at the same time. Yeah. It just, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I do fall firmly in the camp of, I think that psychic abilities are things that everybody has. Mm. Um, and that like there, there's exceptions to the rule, obviously. Like I, I can no longer see 
like the screen, like you are a, a weird sort of thumb shaped blur without my glasses on. So not the we first, don't have- I, it's not the first time I've been called a <laughs> thumb shaped blur. <laughs> but we don't have corrective lenses for the third eye. So there, there's going to be some people who, who don't quite have the same level of acuity or are the equivalent of blind in that sense. But mm. they are they're they're the minority and they are a, a, sort of a, a deviation from from the norm. Right. Which is kind of, I mean, again, in our world, that sounds perfectly normal, but it does, you know, admittedly sound weird that mm. the people that don't really have, you know, the, the, the psychic abilities, like they're, they're the abnormal, you know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, it does sound people, weird when yeah, you vocalize that. that. They just don't think about their abilities as psychic. Like it's such a normal part of everyday life yeah. to to walk up to someone and just have a bad feel about them and maybe avoid them for that reason yeah. uh, or not be comfortable in a space. And, and it's so normal. You don't think about why. Yeah. And you don't think like this is the reason I'm avoiding it. Like we don't examine it. We're, we're, we're not in any way encouraged to examine it. So instead, we're just sort of reactive or sort of suppressing it, like going, well, this is a thing and I don't know what's going on. So I'm just, that makes me uncomfortable to think too hard about it. I'm just going to be over here and, you know, just ignore it. Yeah. But, but it's what we are. It's who we are. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. One of the things that I like recently is watching um, some of the different parts of my personal Venn diagram all start to converge on energy work and psychic experience and witchcraft and the occult and realize that they're all pretty much talking about the same thing that, right. that it's just different different terms in some cases but you know to be an effective witch of course you have to have some level of psychic perception mm -hmm. and some level of energy awareness and ability to manipulate that no matter how you frame it or what language you use for it and a lot of energy work and, and similar things are gonna be indistinguishable from witchcraft. And the yeah. way that you do spells is just gonna have a different, a different like outside shape to it, but the mechanics are pretty similar. Right, right, absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, so, so, okay, so what I'm kind of curious about is, you know, Chip Coffee, he's like, oh my God, are you psychic, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, let's do this test. You know, what did, what did the, you know, producers of, of the show, like, were they like, oh, we have two psychics, how great. We're like, let's just, like, how, how does that, you know, because you're already working for the show as a researcher, so, so you're not new to them. So that's probably an easier conversation, but what was like, did, were they just like, hey, be on the show as a psychic like so i think part of it was it was sort of a twofer there was the prs team who definitely wanted me to work with them more okay and then there was the production company that needed to see me like actually like on the ground in front of the camera to go does is this person mediagenic is this person mm -hmm because you can have a lot of people who have great expertise they're very good at what they do and you put them on a camera and they do not know how to handle themselves uh they, they just some people just it's it's not an inborn talent for most yeah. folks 
And so I think it was a combination of that. Uh, Ryan was a little resistant at first because what he knew me as was that that vampire person. (laughs) And he's like, I I, I don't know about that. Um, Elfie and Josh Light were the ones who, to my knowledge, most uh, lobbied for me. Mm. And it was... Uh, I didn't realize that it was basically my tryout or my res and my resume at the same time, but like that reading that we did sort of off the cuff and unplanned, that was what cinched it. Mm. <clears throat> that was the, okay, you're, you're, you're good at this. You're accurate. You're decent on camera, like cool. Mm. And, and so got rubber stamped from there. Now, the other thing is, and like, I don't belabor this because it's, like like at what point i had been working in um television television for quite some time at that point as a media liaison for the vampire community the goth community and a couple of other fringe marginalized communities right i did that on my own dime Mm -hmm. i very rarely got paid for that for any of the documentaries or radio shows or anything that i did leading up to paranormal state which meant that i had um, an expectation that something like this was only ever going to pay for my travel, but nothing else. Right. So it never occurred to me to ask and it never came up from the production company to do okay. so. So I did my work unpaid uh, for Paranormal State until I think third season when Ryan finally caught wind of it and read them the riot act <laughs> it was like what what do you mean these people are coming on and not getting paid like uh paranormal state had a pretty sizable budget per episode as it turns out um it's interesting really? that, yeah uh i, I dollars uh per episode minimum wow. it, was, it was a good chunk of money and they were cutting corners left and right for everything else so so where that money was going mm was i think mainly the production company right because that's one of the things that people don't think about with reality tv is uh, it exists partly because it circumvents actors guilds yeah screenwriters guilds like all of the things all of the structure that is put into place in hollywood to make sure that the actual talent gets paid and is supported Mm -hmm. Uh, reality tv exists to just sideline that entirely yeah uh, and so generally uh the folks who make the most money off of any of those shows are the people who develop them yeah and market them yeah they're almost never the people who are on camera it's very rarely uh the the, the talent the team itself yeah uh, and and it was disheartening to like you know sit and overhear conversations among some of the production company people as they're like kind of gleefully talking like one of them was developing another thing and she was talking about like how they were writing their release forms so that they could simultaneously get people to agree to do things that were dangerous and also waive all their rights to being paid for it like like just basically like 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 gleefully bragging how they were taking advantage of people and you know i've got really keen ears so i'm just like sitting there going "Mm mm-hmm Mm, yep this is totally an industry that i want to keep working in yeah yeah wow so there was there was a lot of being taken advantage of um it's also why once it came fifth season and it was a really popular show and it came time for all of us to sign new contracts we didn't oh 
<clears throat> and, and that is the one thing that I really appreciate about the Paranormal State team was we had solidarity that a lot of shows don't necessarily, especially if they were pulling people. You know, this was a group that already existed before it was a television show. Right. Uh, so these were friends. They had established relations and relationships, as we you know get to find out after the fact. So when we would be put into situations where the production company might want us to do something we didn't want to do, uh, we would we would huddle up and just wait them out. Uh, they don't like paying overtime to the crew, as it turns out. So if you just go for a long walk uh, after they've asked you to maybe like try to fake something, they will back down. <laughs> huh. Interesting. And we, we went for long walks a couple of times. But those long walks got more and more toward, toward like fourth and fifth season. There was a lot of like pressure to, there, now there were all these other shows and they're like, you got to get evidence. You got to get evidence. These other shows are getting evidence. And we're like, well, you, evidence doesn't happen just because we want it to be. You need to get evidence. Do you understand your ratings rely on you having the ghosts do something that you capture on camera. I don't care how you do that. And we're like, yeah, that's that's not what we're about though. Like we're here to investigate. We're here to help the families. Mm. We're here to prove things to ourselves. We are not here to do what you're asking us to do. Right, yeah. I mean, we, I, I, we all know that that goes on with, you know, um, uh, investigative, shows um but still i i still you know when when the the topic comes up it's like man unbelievable it's not unbelievable but it's still it's it's unbelievable what we had we had to start doing like increasingly draconian rules for where the production and crew were allowed to be because uh early on ryan caught uh one of the producers instructing crew members to whisper when we were doing EVP sessions. Oh no, I never would have thought of that. Like, yeah, well, and, and that's the thing is like- company Going behind yeah. the crew's back to do something like that. So, so don't just dog on, like you can have a completely above board team, mm -hmm. but the production company, it was a huge comeuppance for me to realize that the production company, I, I idealist that I was, was like, oh, they're doing a ghost show. It's on ghost hunting. Of course, the people who have developed this believe in this and they're out there to like try to pass this information along. And we're yeah, really trying yeah. to help people and gung ho. And no, actually they thought it was all fake. The production company, it was just a shtick. They assumed that we were all either faking or deluded. They, they spent so much time trying to figure out what the fuck I was actually doing because they weren't feeding me stuff. They were trying to figure out who was feeding me stuff because they simply couldn't believe that somebody was psychic. Like they didn't think it was real. It couldn't be real. They, they wanted it to look good on camera, mm -hmm. um, but it, it was, it was eye-opening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, a big lesson that while I love the conversation that these television shows inspire, Mm -hmm. that it puts things out where the audience and, and folks who are, who are actual investigators can raise questions and explore stuff. And we can, you know, occasionally bring in new ideas like egregores and the Philip experiment and kind of like, like start a dialogue. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. It's all still television. Yeah. And everybody has to keep in mind, like it's going to be made for entertainment, no matter the, the idealism behind it. Yeah. So there are going to be like jump scares and cut scenes, like, like yeah. the, their, their favorite thing for paranormal state was like, somebody would like, you know, somebody would fart and be like, oh, like that. And you, we, we would joke, we're like, oh, yep, that's going to be the cut to the commercial break. They won't explain why somebody just jumped. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's going to be, that's going to be it. Yeah. <gasps> what are we looking at? Sergi tripped. That's what we're looking at. Yeah, which is fine because as a viewer, that's what I want. I want that. Oh, I want the jump scare and I want the 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 suspense of um, you know, cut go to commercial. I want to know what's going on. And usually, nine times out of ten, when the show returns after commercial, it's pretty much a letdown. Yeah. But every Sometimes time that happens, every single show every single episode and they do that i'm like ooh, what's gonna you know and i know damn well it's gonna be nothing but 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 the thing is that um this is because i'm not a paranormal investigator i see these shows um uh, they're they're my entertainment like i'm, I'm watching them because i want to be entertained i would like to see some actual evidence of course um but but I'm watching these, you know, to be entertained. So you know, give me that cutscene, give me that jump scare. Absolutely. I know, you know, that, oh, what just happened is going to be not as dramatic after the commercial, but I still fall for it every time because I just want to be entertained, you know, so there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I don't even think, you know, I, I don't even think Oh, I, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to say this right. Mm. I don't think it's right to include fake evidence. No, I I, I agree. I I fall hard on that. Yeah. And I love working with Katrina. Uh, I love her. I love her to pieces because in her contracts for anything, especially after experience with Paranormal State, it is like written into her contract. If there's any point where she catches faking, if she's asked, if she's just out yeah. with, with, with a payoff clause, like just, yeah. nope, yeah, hard no. Cause yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to see or hear fake evidence. Um, however, if there's going to be fake evidence, like I, I would want the, the team to do it, not the producers <laughs> behind their back. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, yeah. Because, because, <laughs> I know where where you stand as a team and I know how to judge you as a form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the idea and that thought never ever occurred to me that the production company would actually go behind the team's back, you know, mm -hmm. to, to try and fabricate evidence. Um, that is that is just abhorrent to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. Now, now, the thing that always, like Josh Light and I would talk about this because it, it baffled us. There were a few times where we got evidence that we were like, we cannot explain this. This is well, a, a few times where it's like, what the fuck just what, like, what was that? Mm -hmm. And weirdly, they would opt not to put that in the episode. Like, there's a couple of things that were like, but, but why? And, and partly because <clears throat> the production company was still approaching it like, Sort even though it wasn't a scripted TV show, 
they went in with their idea of like what this haunting was supposed to be like. Right. So they, they kind of like cast us as characters. I mean, I was like, like literally, it's very obvious if you think about Buffy mm-hmm. and the Scooby yeah. gang and you look at the paranormal state, they, they pretty much were like, we can see that it's, it's the Scooby gang. They're just missing yeah. Giles. And then I was just like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Giles with Spike's fashion sense. Yeah. Um, and, and they were very much thinking of it like that. So when they would get to the point of editing the thing together, they, the production company, had an idea of like what the haunting really was. Uh, and, and another comeuppance was like they wanted us to live tweet. That's why I have a Twitter account. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we were discouraged from talking about stuff leading up to the airing of the episode. So like there were things that we couldn't talk about. Right. But I also learned to not do that for a very salient reason which was there were a couple of episodes that what aired is not what we felt the haunting really was right 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 and so like they edited it in a certain way to kind of like spin it a certain way and we were like that's that wasn't our resolution at all that wasn't our assessment at all yeah in in one case I, i can kind of see it like it was there was a concern about um legal and sort of like how it would come across because there's a high likelihood that uh the client was just going through menopause and misunderstanding a lot of what her symptoms were right and we we were pretty direct about that (laughs) so uh there was another one where it came up that a client had had an abortion and literally had not told her family uh the family found out about it because it's part of my psych reading. Um, so that was a very awkward thing to have happen on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the question was like, was guilt around this part of the manifestation of what was going on in this particular location? You will see none of that come up in any episode. I won't even tell you which one it was. Right. Yeah. Um, because for, for so many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so there's definitely stuff that wouldn't make it, but, but um, I wasn't there for this one. It was one of the I am six uh, ones with the, the, the girl and the, the demonic stuff, uh, or, or certainly what she was experiencing is demonic. And Josh described this, this thing where he was very skeptical um, that what she was experiencing was more psychosomatic. Uh, and given her, her, her health history, sort of like, the fact that she was normal and then had this onset of a chronic illness and suddenly was now a, a shut-in like he was like honestly was like it's either familial stuff going on or she's you know but you know they had cameras because some of her reports were things assaulting her in her sleep right they had cameras on her in her bed and there's a point where he's like we've we've got it on camera it's in the files something like there's she, she's lying there she's a skinny emaciated figure there's just like a thin sheet over her and like the uh ruffles and whatnot in a sheet and something near her foot just sort of like bumps up and something moves under the sheets up her thigh <laughs> and and josh is just like Like, yeah. like some stuff and you're just like okay so so one holy crap mm-hmm. two what even is going on there um and and three never makes it to the episode 
How strange. Right? Maybe because of the implied sexual assault part of it, because that's pretty much what Lily was, that that was her, her assessment was, she asserted that something was assaulting her sexually in her sleep. Right, right. Um, but huh. to, to not even reference that, like, and then there were multiple instances of like something that was just like, whoa, hmm. here's this thing that happens. And what you're gonna fixate on is, uh, somebody catching a deer in the woods with a FLIR camera, only not being sure that it's a deer. Oh God, that's the Jersey Devil. No, not really, guys. That's a deer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. It's yeah. It you know, um, television really is a whole other world. It really is. It it, it just you know, it, I I don't think anyone can think that television, Hollywood, and any of that just makes any sort of sense unless unless like you're 100 percent like you're 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 all in you know what i mean um it's yeah. like like my work as a makeup artist it, it's just it's a whole other um uh, back in the day i should say uh working as a makeup artist it's just a whole other bizarre world it really is yeah, it's, it's so something. much of it just doesn't make any sense it well i mean it's it's kind of a, an echo chamber like it it makes sense within mm. its own little thing or at least it's it's so insular that it thinks it makes sense and then yeah. if you step outside of that you're like but why are we doing it like this this yeah. doesn't like this is not the most efficient way of doing it like we're doing it just because this is the way we've always done it like yeah. who even came up with this guys yeah yeah you know one thing and you had mentioned um in episode one you 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 know said it again uh, a few minutes ago but you did mention this um about how it's almost like they they portrayed like they they looked at the the scooby gang and 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 buffy and like okay we can you know create that with this team and that is one thing about that show i find that all the team members are very one-dimensional mm. which they're not because well they're just not um number two they're they're humans so they're certainly not one-dimensional um but they but everyone appears very one-dimensional like x person is always like this mm -hmm. y person is always like this like there's not a lot of variation in in um in personality and and, and whatnot so you can see that mm -hmm. sort of um that 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 concept that mindset like oh we can create you know um this this kind of Buffy-esque or Scooby-esque group with this team and yeah and and, and they really they would people were very different on camera and how they would get portrayed was the production company definitely putting them in a box yeah so like Josh Light who was the tech guy engineer brilliant fellow um will like talk your ear off with an explanation of like what's going on and tends to debunk things what you never get to see is he's also pagan. Mm -hmm. He's also yeah. a, a practitioner of magic. So he is simultaneously a, a skeptic with an engineering background who also practices magic, is capable of navigating those two mindsets. So when he debunks things, he's debunking it from the heart because he's like, this doesn't make any magical sense either. And, and also he was sensitive. Like, yeah. But people weren't allowed to be more than just the label that they were given. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And Lord, they had no idea what to do with Elfie. <laughs> Wiccan, our little Wiccan, because because Willow was a Wiccan is pretty much it. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, that's right. I don't even think they didn't even call her a witch, did they? It was Wiccan. Nope. Yeah. She was Wiccan. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and and the great irony is she is a thelemite, <laughs> like not even like like so not so far from any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know that also too that well. First of all, if they you know wrote you know on the screen Elfie thelemite. I mean, not how many of you I mean, like people had enough trouble with her name. Yeah, 99.9% of the viewers be like, I don't know what a thalamite is. Um, but, you know, it, the show wasn't that long ago, but the way attitudes are and the way attitudes have changed, it was that long ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, so, a lot of things have changed. Yeah, so, you know, I it's really no surprise, you know, like where like a, a production company wouldn't want any sort of Crowley reference. Mm -hmm. And you know? and that's the thing is like her, her dad was pretty much one student removed from Crowley and nobody wanted to touch that. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in a way that makes sense. But to go from Thelemite to Wiccan, even for marketing purposes, um is you know that's a bit much but yeah you know that's 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 the magic of television you can go from thelemite to wiccan in a snap of a finger but i mean so much was like whitewashed and straight washed and everything washed i mean because yeah. I, I remember the point where like we're on a on a like a little retreat and i go over to like pick up ryan and serge and somebody's like oh well they're in the shower and i'm like isn't there just one shower? Oh, that explains a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is juicy. I like this. All righty. Okay. Where where that that was always a thing, but yeah. never on camera. They were yeah. just good buds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like all the old all the old photographs of of the the very good friends and yep yeah yep, very good friends. Yeah. We yeah. sometimes shower together. Yeah. Yeah. The two confirmed bachelors that live together because it's, you know, it's economic and mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 That show was so queer. <laughs> like, that, so, so queer. That show is queerer than Queerest Folk and RuPaul's Drag Race all put together. Like, let's mm -hmm. be honest. You know, I mean, between like Ryan, Sergi, me, Chip. A couple of other people i'm not sure around um pretty sure katrina's straight <laughs> yeah i well you know i mean you know we'll give her that she is married so yeah. technically we'll, we'll give her that yeah i i and I apparently one way or the other apparently She's so fabulous though like yeah. so fabulous yeah so, I mean, katrina we don't hold your your straightness against you we know you can't help it you were born that way um, but apparently I make decisions for people on my podcast. So yeah, I'm just deciding, yeah, she's straight. We'll just, we'll give her that, you know. You I got think she's fabulous by association. Yeah, you gotta have some straight people in the world. I mean, you know, 
you got to make them feel like they're they're special and loved. I mean, nobody nobody can can beat Katrina's like eyeshadow game though. Like like so. I mean, we would be on set for eight. She really 12, is fierce though. I mean, let's be honest. She, she's so gorgeous, and her makeup is always always on point. Yes, always seriously. On point. You're like, in. I, I, you've been I in a like dungeon for twelve hours. And, yeah, and you had to just like make up your face and there's no yeah. chance where you're touching that shit up. Like you're just like, this is how you look and you better yeah. just be ready to be on camera for the next 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's always on point. She's fantastic. I like watching her, how she really bloomed and or blossomed, whatever, you know, uh, from, you know, you look back at paranormal state to um mm -hmm. uh, portals to hell and just uh seeing her come into her own and i mean because i don't know what how other people's impression of portals to hell is i don't know if people think it's it's more like jack osborne's show because he's the famous guy that the son of ozzy osborne but like katrina on camera like katrina's running the show you know what Jack, I mean? Jack has the grace. He defers to Katrina's expertise. Like that's the thing is Jack yeah. was curious and didn't have a lot of background on it and wanted to learn, like wanted to explore stuff and is this. So I, I'd never watched, I don't, I don't watch much TV. So like, I knew that there was an Osborne show and I knew they had two, like there were two kids on it. Like I didn't, I didn't even realize that that was the Jack that I was working for when Katrina was like, hey, <laughs> I've got a friend, we're doing a new thing. Do you want to come on? Like, you know, you're one of the few psychics I trust. And I'm like, sure. She's like, yeah, my, my buddy Jack. And like, I didn't even hear his last name until like the third episode I filmed with them. Oh my so God. it was just like this sort of roly poly. He reminded me of Samwise Gamgee, a hobbit, mm -hmm. like just mm -hmm. like friendly, hugging, just jovial fellow. And I was like, I can't quite place the accent, but cool, seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh, oh, still a nice guy, way nicer yeah. than I would have expected from, wow, oh, oh, that makes so much sense. Because the one thing that I had noticed was um, he clearly, before knowing who he was, uh, he clearly had a lot of pull in the background. And I could see immediately why Katrina liked this show, especially coming from what, what we went through with Paranormal State, was the production company no shenanigans everybody knew exactly like what they what their limits were what their boundaries were um yeah. we didn't pretend that the production company wasn't there so if they had an experience they want on camera too yeah. everybody had to be prepared for that uh and whenever i put in a request of like okay this is how i work as a psychic and i when i say i want no one to tell me anything I don't mean slip me information and I'm only saying that on camera. I mean, tell me nothing. Right. right. And if it's possible, put me up in a hotel, like one state line. Oh, like, like I want to be as in the dark as possible mm -hmm. um, and, and manage that as, as well as you can. Keep me away from people having conversations. I've got good ears and I don't want to know. Mm. And once Jack heard all of that, he was like, okay got it and just trusted that that was my process katrina backed me up and they've just let me do whatever i need to do to be uh, as accurate but also to trust what i'm picking up right as psychic as opposed to i do have really good ears i do have a pretty like 
uh, Sherlock Holmesian sort of intuitive read for things. I've got a psych background. Like it's yeah. really easy to come up with a lot of stuff and just let it be extrapolation. Yeah. As opposed to what I want is what are these psychic abilities? Like what can I pick up from a location with no other information? Like what are the limits? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so for me, it's a, I get a chance to experiment and I, I love the fact that Jack uses his clout to make sure that there are no shenanigans behind scene. Right, right. But yeah, but, but I mean, you know, like as a team, like, like, you know, she's in charge, you know, and, mm. and uh, that's nice to see because, you know, uh, white men, that's like their, their default position. Like, you know, this, I, I'm in charge. This is I, how it's raised, you know, and um, it's just, it's nice to see that that's not how you know, that's not how it, it works. Um, but also, like I said, like, like reflecting back to paranormal state, it, it's nice to see that, you know, how, how Katrina has, has evolved and it's it just, it's a nice, I, I love watching her on, on Portis to Hell because she's just, she's, she's, um, she's come into her own and, you know, she's, a strong woman doing her thing. And I think it's fantastic. The thing about the entertainment industry and television especially, if you do not very quickly get a handle on setting your boundaries, making no, you basically, you you, you don't take Mm -hmm. what if for an answer, especially if you are a female identified female presenting person, Mm -hmm. you need to be very clear uh, you need to take no crap. You need to not let people push you around because they will try. Yeah. Um, and you need to you need to advocate for yourself yeah. um, loudly and without apology. And Katrina is that hands down. Yeah. She she knows she knows how to do that. She knows she has to fight for herself. She's not afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And she's got a really good partner in Jack who will also advocate for her. And I, yeah. I will hazard to say that anybody who was raised by Sharon Osborne, yeah, no, who, who also had to survive in an industry that is incredibly toxic. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, being raised by, by Sharon Osborne and having two sisters, like, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's such a a female centric uh, family because it's three against two, um, and all of his kids are daughters. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, so it it in that sense, it kind of doesn't surprise me that you know the way the way Jack, you know, um, kind of defers to to uh, Katrina. It's just like I said, it's just nice to see because it could have just yeah. been horribly different you know um and you know and as as great as the investigations could be it it, you know it just would be a very different show and you know so much more uncomfortable to to watch well and you know having worked in at least two instances where showrunners are at different stages of their addiction journey Mm. mad props to yeah. jack for having his shit together 
for being honest about it yeah. uh, and just for for turning himself around and like like becoming this really genuinely likable and insightful person incredibly yeah. compassionate yeah and just super supportive like like and he does not hide uh from from anything that he's been through or the bad choices that he made he took them as teachable moments mm -hmm. and not everybody does that no exactly exactly yeah yeah he just seems like like just one of those genuinely good people like he was just, he was born that way he was raised that way like everything in his life pointed in that direction of just being a genuinely genuinely good person you know yeah with, people anybody smack talks him i i, I will throw down because he's he's a good guy yeah 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 which you know is always which is it's kind of sad when we're always so surprised like oh my god like he's genuinely a a, a great guy because that's you know the exception that seems to be the exception to the rule when it comes to you know television and hollywood and all that crap you know privilege poisons a lot of people of course absolutely. And, they, and they don't really they don't really recover from it they don't really step back and and question yeah and the ones who do are i, I like the ones that that change look at the world differently and use their powers for good yeah absolutely absolutely it makes for a good show i you know like it's just like it, it everything just converged i think um in just the right ways to uh to make that a really really good show you know all around so you know kudos to everyone that's that's a part of that absolutely yeah and then watching everybody try to adapt to covid too because that was that was a lot Mm -hmm. um, and and just changing like how people traveled and who was comfortable with with stuff like i was not on the last season a whole lot because i had some very hard limits for what yeah. i was willing to do mm -hmm. and and the one thing that was a, a definite no was i am not flying like i will not get into a plane <laughs> in the middle uh, yeah. of a pandemic i'm sorry yeah like i get sick when there isn't a pandemic and i have to go to an airport and fly like i just i catch stuff easily so let's not play with covid at all yeah exactly awesome. exactly and, um, they, and they were cool about that like, yeah and, and, and it wasn't like a deal breaker no we're never working with you again they, they they were like hey this one's close enough we can we can make that work yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um i'm trying to you and i literally tweeted back and forth the entire hour i can't remember the hotel's name uh it was one episode the hotel that had the deer jump out in mm. front of them as they were driving. Tom's uh, house. That's it. Yeah. That was such, that was one of my favorite episodes. I don't get creeped out a lot on these shows. Um, that show creeped me out a bit. And because you and I were tweeting back and forth about what was going on you're like okay what what where are you now and i'm like oh this just happened and you're like oh did they show you this and i'm like no you're like oh my god that was like the best part you know because there was the church across the street and and yeah really funky stuff was going on there oh, that was that was intense yeah that was a good episode because i i got creeped out that that creature that you or spirit, whatever that you got a name from. And you remember we were texting and someone chimed in and he's like, oh, there's, um, I think it was East European 
um, creature and it's called blah, blah, blah. And it was like maybe one letter different. And I Googled it and I sent you the photo. Mm-hmm. Or no, I shouldn't say photo because it's a creature. But- drawing, and it looked like like a deer yeah. with antlers, but only standing on two legs. And that was the episode that the deer jumped in front of their vehicle, their SUV, as they were coming up to the um, the hotel, which made sense because you said something on Twitter to me like, or was it a deer? You know, just kind of jokingly. And then this guy eventually chimes in with this creature that was kind of like deer-ish antlers whatever but on hind you know two legs and whatnot but that was a really good episode that's one of the episodes that really sticks out to me because I just got chills when you were um when you were getting this creature and I, I don't know why because like I said these these shows generally don't freak me out you know there there's a couple um that I'm just like okay this is just I'm I'm, I'm creeped out i but that's pretty rare. And that was one of them. That was like, we had already decided, okay, I guess we're done. Um, and let's, I, I think I'm done with the, with the psychic thing. Um, and one of the reasons that I'm not like uh, blindfolded for that was initially because I had been to Thomas house with paranormal estate before mm-hmm. I was brought down ostensibly uh, for my experience uh, on on cults and identifying cult-like stuff, because there, there there's a whole cult aspect to people that were in that property at uh, in the in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, and so they wanted that. But of course, if I'm on thing, they're just like, well, could we just have you also do this just to see what happens while you're here? And I was like, oh, okay, because Katrina was like, so because she had been down there with me, she's like. I know where you were when you did the reading. Um, where else on the property had you been? And I'm like, Thomas House? Like there, there's like a couple of sheds behind Thomas House, but like just just the hotel. And she's like, great. We're gonna go somewhere else in town. I'm like, cool. All right, let's settle up. Uh, but I I never okay, I can't say that I never get names. Mm. Uh, I should say that the circumstances under which I get names from spirits tend to be more um, ritualized or part of my personal practice. Right. Much less frequently just walking into a building and trying to communicate with, you know, Joe average spirit. Mm. Uh, So I was as shocked as anybody where I was like, Oh no, I think it's trying to talk to me. Hang on, hang on. Give give, give me, give me paper. I think you kind of, really were uh, I'm, I'm sure in that episode you were like this normally doesn't happen like with the names mm-hmm. I think yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I made an I made an effort to be like no this is this is atypical like but mm-hmm. but I'm getting this I don't know if this is I think this is its name this is important let me try to sound it out it doesn't sound like English at all I don't know mm-hmm. uh it it felt like something that didn't normally speak or even think in English was trying to convey something awkwardly. Like it was, it was, I, I wish, I wish I could put a camera in my brain. So like the audience could experience the way I experience it because yeah. there's words do not do the experiences justice. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, my God. Yeah. 
yeah, because because to say that like something's talking to me is not only is there like the sense of this word taking shape in my head, but there's also the feel of the presence that's conveying it. And part of that feel are like little blips and layers of impressions of images. And mm. some of that is like things it's associated with and some of it might be the way it looks and some of it might be memories it's tied to. And it's like all, none of it's linear. It's sort of like this big neural net of associative experience right. yeah. that I then have to try to like put into words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the heart. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Lux Files. I'm not just the host of this podcast. I'm also the owner of Lalo Gonzalez. I make beeswax and scented spell candles, loose stick and liquid incense, anointing rolls and bath salts. So once you're done listening to this episode, why don't you head on over to my website at www.laylokanzawan.com and check out my products. For your convenience, the link to the website is also in the show notes. It's part of my job. Yeah. That's why I, I, I think people don't understand i um i i'm not saying this i i oh i don't know if that's right i was gonna say i'm not saying this from experience because i don't go around you know like okay what psychic impression do i pick up you know i in that sort of circumstance it's completely accidental um but with ritual work and and stuff like that you know um you, you know you're invoking whatever i don't mean whatever but you know whatever yeah. that you're you're working with and um you know you you try to put that experience into words and it, it's so difficult it's you know when you're interacting with i would you know i'm going to say interacting because it's hard to even say speaking with mm-hmm. yeah, yeah interacting with a spirit because it's like you're hearing, but you're not hearing. It's not yeah. with your ears, and you're seeing, but you're not seeing. Because it's not exactly like it, it's this weird. The next closest thing is hearing yeah. insight. It's it's complicated. Yeah, it re- reminds me in um, uh, Paul, Dr. Paul Natupski's mysticism class, part of my my college stuff, the ineffability of mystical experience. Just sort of like this universal truth that our most intense communications with the spirit realm and the divine elude language, mm-hmm. like, like elude description because they are so outside of our ordinary experience that we don't have a framework. So we're struggling to try to put them into anything that we can articulate, which is how like St. Teresa of Avila is like, you know, ends up kind of rapturously talking about God as like this orgasmic lover and like everybody, you know, it, it's flame, it's fire, it's this, it's that, but it's, it's just ecstasis. It's being above and beyond and outside of physical, uh, what we are accustomed to mm-hmm. with our everyday physical existence. Yeah. I've been uh, doing some work with uh, Anakian angels um, lately, and that's been a whole different experience i I once watched oh yeah yeah sorry you you, no no i've got i've got a fun story about okay uh because 
there well the first thing that i did was try to get colors for a sigil what color mm -hmm. it's supposed to be and the way the colors were presented was at first it took a while at first was absolutely not helpful at all but you also get the impression that the angels are like like i just told you answer like it's it's right there in front of you which it mm -hmm. was but how they're communicating it and how i can receive it you know doesn't mesh but um they're different they're they're different from any, mm -hmm. any um any other spirit form angelic form in a lot of ways um that that i've ever ever experienced um I find nicer and a lot more helpful, uh, easier to, you know, mm. work with uh, in that sense. But the, um, you know, it's it, it's like two different uh, pieces of, of hardware or software or whatever that that doesn't. Um, oh, God, I'm I'm I, I, I'm trying to do a, a technical analogy and that's not my thing um the inability incompatible, is incompatible, incompatible yeah. technology and um it's just it's weird it's just so, weird my favorite story about uh Inakian work was I was, at, I was at a convention where one of the other guests of honor was lon milo duquette mm -hmm. and he was doing a thing doing the Inakian calls calling down angels and it was a pagan convention that you know has a, a fairly diverse audience and a bunch of people saw angel um and we're just like oh and they were thinking like you know nice fluffy kind of you know love and hugs and puppy dogs and rainbow angels so they went in there and lon milo duquette who at one point quoted to me that like it's fine to have enemies and the best solution is to outlive them and and like that that that's like he's he's i don't know satanic santa claus yeah <laughs> like, he's not satanic he just just like very he looks like santa claus he is all fucking business yeah yeah he's in there he starts intoning stuff and doing it and the vast majority of people who are like oh this will be kind of neat ran yeah. like he pulls down something so genuine no one was expecting to have this presence in the room yeah. Um, and, and I think in some respects, because there's definitely people who are like, oh, I do angel, angel magic, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it's just sort of like, these are no, no, angels. Yeah. First of all, this is, this is not going to be like, oh, I'm love and light. And I love it. The, first of all, let me explain. That's not angels anyway. If, if you've yeah. got something that's all like puppy dogs and sunshine and just wants to give you a hug, that's not an angel. Yeah. They have to say, be not afraid for a fucking reason. <laughs> like don't run no really i'm i'm not here to hurt you yeah like, these are powerful alien intelligences and wow it was just watching this this exodus from this ballroom that's funny <laughs> and then people just this stunned expression of like what yeah. what just happened yeah I'm like y'all y'all should probably go back in there and let him close that stuff down because i'm not sure that you're gonna sleep well tonight if you don't yeah, yeah no kidding i you know it's interesting because you know angels aren't love and light um read the bible just read the bible um 
but the thing the, the thing that I, I found with the Anakian angels is they're they're all they they seem that they're all willing to mm. help you because you know you approach them properly. I, I don't mean properly like richly properly, but like yeah. properly like like don't be an asshole, you know. They, they, you know, don't think this is the goisha where you're you're threatening them and and you know what i mean to to yeah. threaten them do what i want or else i'm gonna do this to you um although speaking as someone who does a fair amount of work with the goisha i have found you get a lot more if you're just like hey bro let's figure out some way where i scratch your back you scratch mine and we work together what, what yeah. would you like yeah uh, i i found that being polite and and just making it transactional and respectful yeah. you get a lot further with pretty much everything yeah even to demons i mean okay you know so if like you know like help me out here and if the demon's like no like all right i'll find another one that that will then i guess you know what i mean like mm -hmm. I, you know and i'm i'm not doing the whole witch talk thing where i'm i'm saying abuse to to, to demons is the same as as actual domestic violence that's that's a thing now on on witch talk um but like i why like I, why why spend the energy no okay oh sorry sorry oh, oh no no Wait, like, like sorry. Sorry. every week I totally there's something new that. that comes out of the witch talk community yeah, and i'm like sorry. you know i totally glossed over that for you sorry yeah so apparently uh, okay apparently, commanding and compelling demons is the same as beating your wife like there's no there's no difference um, i mean they're they're equally they're equally bad things the, the um, only thing i'm going to, to to say on that is i do think that it's healthier to ask something nicely first yeah, yeah. rather than just let's bind things I, i've always been against binding spirits though yeah. um, i mean i will do it in a pinch and I, I, I will not hesitate to do it if something is being problematic and especially yeah. if it is preying on the vulnerable. Like I yeah. have a hard limit for that. Yeah. But but that's a big difference than, you know, binding and compelling a demon because yeah. it's not doing what you want to do. If it if it's but, if you come across someone who's having a problem with a demon, you're you're helping. Yeah, but I mean, last week everything was Oh, everything was a closed practice last week. Uh, it just, I, I, I can't. Oh, it, it's too okay. So, so which, which talk, which talk at this point feels like those 5 a.m. conversations that we had around a bag of Doritos and a case of Mountain Dew when we were like 18, 19, 20 and didn't know like crap from crap. And just everybody had like the wildest opinions because yeah. we read really terrible books like yeah. and, and didn't have access to anything better. And I think the only thing that annoys me about it now is you've got so much information, mm -hmm. so much. Yeah. And I, I realize that there's the daunting task is to identify what's the good information from the bad information, but holy moly. Oh, yeah, they're they're too much. So so, you know, no tarot because only the the uh, Roma can can um, use tarot because that's not culturally offensive. 
Um, and and binding. Somebody should talk to the Italians. I know, right? And bonding demons is the same as domestic violence. So, um, yeah, have fun with that. I just couldn't be bothered, honestly. I, you know, I I don't work with demons. Um, I just, I've always found, you know, going higher um, just works better for me. That's just my thing. Um, But like, even a demon that technically doesn't do X. Um, I can probably get to do X if we come to the right terms. Mm. I just, I I can't be bothered. Like, you know, I always, you know, magically always try to find sort of like a, like a mundane, like analog. Like I'm not to, if if a friend of mine doesn't want to do X, I'm not going to cajole, 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 like, deal um and and blackmail to get them to do x like okay fine i'll i'll find someone else to rob a bank with me like whatever i was was just thinking like the goisha is sort of like the pot smoking of the occult community where like pretty much everyone has probably tried it once or at least been around someone who was doing it yeah whether they want to admit it or not yeah yeah you know, like, so like it, it's forbidden fruit. So everybody got curious at some point in, in their process. And but, you know, you know, I summoned I summoned Marvis once, but I didn't actually like ask him to do anything. <laughs> like, I didn't actually fail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, like if if I can't be bothered to, you know, talk a friend into doing something they don't want to do, why would I, you know? Yeah spend that kind of energy doing it to a demon or an angel or anything you know what I mean that's just not you know that's just not my way so I can't be bothered but apparently for the people that can be bothered doing stuff like that apparently they're no better than than um domestic violence like abusers it's really disgusting because I mean you're you're just you're completely minimizing domestic violence by making that statement just like you're being culturally insensitive uh, to Roma when you're saying only they can use tarot because the the gypsy tarot reader is a culturally offensive stereotype that never existed and you know what I mean like it's like this 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 performative allyship is just it it, it goes from from eye rolling to just disgusting and pathetic. How many of the ones going on about the Roma thing are white kids? Uh, 100%. Because no, no Roma, no Roma. There's better places no, for that energy no to go. Roma says, oh yeah, we invented tarot. You can't use it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So for anyone who's listening to this, here the text. <laughs> if you want to know if something really is a closed practice or is culturally insensitive, if you're hearing it from a white person, I'm not lying or they're wrong. I will check their sources. Just go to the source and find out if it's true because Uh, tarot goes to like it's it's from freaking Italy. It was a it was a card game. Like they're called Trumps because they were literally Trumps. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know it, 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 it. all anytime you hear a white person talk about cultural like something is culturally appropriative or a close practice or whatever verify it 
I mean, like, honestly, like, anytime you get a white, per anytime you're a white person trying to be an expert on something that is not their thing yeah. and telling you that, well, this, this minority wants you to do this. First of all, it's not, not our place to say that. Yeah. Second of all, go, go talk to the person whose stuff it actually is and find yeah. out how do they feel. Exactly. Like actually go talk to them. Like we shouldn't be yeah. taking up space for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like a, a 30 second Google search on tarot will get you the information that it was <clears throat> created in Italy. You know what I mean? And it, 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 yeah, no, it's totally mind boggling. But you know what? We, oh, yeah, but, we, we can, we can be like, get off my lawn. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this for 50 years. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know that's that's the thing like that doesn't sound as exciting as as you know uh, a 30 second tiktok video condemning i mean you know on the other hand i mean i kind of feel bad because i mean i, I feel bad for them in, in this sense there was definitely a point where i was more fervent than i was informed and if i had the internet and like just could just go and sound off on a video that now is out there for everybody in perpetuity. Uh, Lordy, that would have been really embarrassing. It's bad enough, like there's, I, I'm thinking specifically of an article I wrote on necromancy and the sources were so scarce and second and third hand that mm. it's just, it's just wrong. Right. And, you know, fortunately it was only like published in some tiny little thing that's so out of print that I don't think anybody's ever going to find it. So I'm not going to have somebody like pull this thing, this 30 year old article up and go like, well, back in this day, you said that necromancy was this and, you know, hey, you're wrong. Well, like, well yes, yes, I was because oh. the books I read were wrong. Yeah. And that's what happens if you are actually learning things is sometimes you're wrong. And if you are a good practitioner, you then check your sources and you expand your sources and you talk to more people and you revise your opinion yeah and yeah. this is how we grow exactly exactly <laughs> but to have that stuff out where like I, I really wouldn't like it would look very bad if like my awkward phase was just out there for everybody to see oh. like I don't think oh I'm just, so no. thankful I'm so thankful that uh the internet the way it is now with with like the ease of the internet and the access like with the smartphones and smartphone cameras and i'm so glad none of that existed when i was a teenager in in, in my 20s like we had to develop film like go to the store and develop the mm -hmm. film so that's i'm sure has saved me a lot of um awkward conversations mm -hmm. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't look at, you know, um, millennials and, and, and I, I think they're called Gen Z, the ones after more, yeah. um, with any sort of, uh, oh, you're so lucky to have all this technology because when I was your age, we had, you know, uh, on, my, on one hand, it's cool. And on the other hand, you're going to hate it in 10 years. <laughs> Like yeah yeah it. you know um i i don't i don't i don't uh yeah i i i'm quite happy with with uh our our techless 
uh, teens and twenties. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's bad enough that I think that you can still Google me and find like some photos from like 1996. There's, there was a, a dead poet society reading poetry reading that I did. And they took the picture after I had just lugged this trunk full of all my merchandise from the parking lot. So like my hair is all over the place. I am red in the face and I just, I look awful. And this is what ends up immortalized. Of course. <laughs> that's, bad. That's, that's, that's bad enough. I mean, I, I looked like this, this moon faced assassin of joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I don't know. I don't know. This, this world is just it's, you know, a friend of mine says it's going to get a whole hell of a lot worse before it gets better. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm typically optimistic, but I, mm. I, I can't help but feel like I agree with him that it's, no, I, you know, I, I, don't agree. Know. I don't know. Oh, like, like 20 years ago, like I would have been feisty enough to like hop onto witch talk and be like, you're all wrong. And here's how. Mm -hmm. And I now understand like all of the folks who were like in their forties and fifties back then where they were just like, so exhausted that they're just like, you know what, you know what actually sounds good to me sitting with my feet up and yeah. reading a book yeah. and you'll figure it out or you won't. You won't. Yeah. And me telling you isn't going to change that anyway at all. So yeah. here I am reading my book. And you know, <laughs> you guys, you guys are like, Oh, you're so old. You look old. Da, 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 da. It's you guys making us look old because you're stressing us out and you're exhausting us. So it's your fault. So hey, hey I've earned every one of the, the yeah. kind of so, I've got so I've got silver. Actually, a lot more silver with yeah. with the pandemic. Like I've definitely noticed that where I'm like, all right, it is time. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't like it, it's your fault. So just stop. Okay, mm -hmm. kids, just stop. Um, you know, one thing I've been, you know, I I, I say a lot now and think a lot in my head especially when i'm on social media is okay you keep talking about it i you you talk i do like i i'm, I'm too busy yeah. to work <clears throat> you know and that's like like i don't i don't respond and you know and and as tempting as it is to be like you all are idiots like you you all need to not exist um first of all that's just rude um but second, and, and I, I just I can't be bothered. I, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. But like I'm I'm too busy doing the work and, and you're spending your time on social media talking about the work. Those are two very different things. And I know what I'd rather be doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't I do not in any way want to like delegitimize the practice of someone simply because they're younger, because I mean, I, I wrote a lot of the stuff that I that's like my seminal stuff from 18 on up like like yeah. that's how I've been doing the stuff that I've been doing as long as I have and also like there were there was a learning curve for a lot of that of course um and I don't know I think what you're saying makes the is probably the best thing to come down about it which is the ones with making all the noise if there's no substance behind it mm -hmm. it's just noise yeah yeah no ab absolutely and 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 that's the thing and 
you know, because I literally don't have the time to get into a, a Twitter battle with mm. you mm. or anyone else because I'm busy anyway. Oh, you disappeared. I disappeared because there's a... Oh, you're... Okay. No, you're still here. Um, I, oh, I don't yeah, know. No, no, I... I... A, a telephone call was trying to come through for oh. some reason. No, I didn't know if that, if that meant like you're gone, gone, or nope. just that the video cut out. Um, but nope. no, I'm busy. that was a robo call. Okay, between between my my business work and my like ritual work, like I'm too busy to do that shit anyway. So like, I, I'm gonna leave you to talk about it and and come up with your crazy <laughs> appropriation theories. And your my, practices and i'm just i'm gonna just keep doing the work you know because i like on a slow day um i'm i'm really dedicated to my my daily um my daily practice and on a like slow day air quotes for those that can't see us um i may only get in an hour of ritual work um, but like, I mean, you know, I, I have a business to run and if I'm busy, I'm busy, obviously that has to take priority. So I can spend that hour on social media or I can spend it, you know, in temple doing ritual work. Guess what I'd rather be doing. You know, I, the more I think about it, it's less about somebody's age and what's really bothering me with some of the stuff on social media and especially like the the videos the hot take videos of things is some anybody can get up there and just spew like ostara is was actually a great german goddess that like 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 whatever whatever crap that isn't actually true yeah and it becomes very hard to include footnotes and a bibliography in that medium mm -hmm. and the misinformation will circle the globe especially if it is virally interesting yeah whether it is uh controversial or or it, if it gets a a visceral emotional response to someone that's going to get like the loudest bullhorn which then means like tons of people are exposed to this bad information and most people don't know how to double check yeah like they don't know how to verify stuff and most honestly a lot of people don't feel like they have the energy to do that and I think that that's my biggest problem is like this bad information is just out there circling the globe, gets picked up, repeated and repeated and repeated without question, mm -hmm. uh, with, with a rapidity that is mind boggling. And so we, before you know it, you've got people who have erased reality and now sort of exist much like television in their own little echo chamber of it makes sense to them because everybody's talking about it. Yeah. And it is totally not how things really should work. Yeah, no, it's true. And you know, the sad thing though about that is, um, I think we touched on this. I, I feel in um, our, our first episode together, um, a lot of a lot of uh, Nazi propaganda that you know exists in the world and you know in the pagan community in in the the you know magic community as a whole that gets spread around that is 
so inappropriate, but you can't be bothered to research what you're hearing and seeing, but you're happy to spread it. Yeah. Knowing that, you know, where it originates from and, you know, to, to people that, you know, read books, you now are kind of portraying yourself as a racist, you know, because you don't know where this information is coming from. And yeah, like if somebody's and I'm just sure if, if you quoting a Bola chapter and verse without examining the context. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure if you knew where X thing originated from, you wouldn't be repeating it because you're not actually a racist, but I'm hearing you spew all of this, um, all of this Nazi propaganda that does sound racist. I mean, that's one thing about you know racism. Um, it's not always overt, you know, it's mm -hmm. very insidious, um, especially when you're trying to get an entire civilization, an entire population on your side. Um, and where was I going with this? People should learn to double check resources oh, yes. and should uh, always do so. Yeah, because I'm sure you're not actually like racist, but I I just I just assume you are because that's all you're that's all you're 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 spewing on your on your um social media. And you're trying to be this great ally of 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 minorities everywhere. Meanwhile, you're like with, you know, gypsies reading tarot because that's apparently what they did because they invented it. That is culturally offensive to Roma people. So you think you're this great ally and you're just perpetuating a culturally offensive stereotype and you have no clue because you can't even be bothered to do a 30 second Google search on, on tarot. Like, you know, Wikipedia isn't the end all and be all. Of oh, God, no. Oh, obviously. Oh, 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 don't even get me started. Like, I've... but but if you <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure the Wikipedia page on tarot doesn't say, oh, yeah, gypsies invented tarot. I'm sure it's going to say that it was invented in uh, 15th century or 16th century Italy. You know what I mean? And check the sources. So, yeah. so my, 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 my bugbear about Wikipedia is especially uh, occult and magical. Like, like Wikipedia is so frequently vandalized mm -hmm. with intent. Yeah. Uh, most recently, uh, someone was trying to do some art of the, the symbols of the Goetia. And they, you know, very proudly sent me some ones. And I was like, this, this isn't, this isn't right did you add these bits and they're like oh no it must be right like i this is this is from the wikipedia page someone uh, has uploaded uh, a complete list of the 72 sigils and they changed every one of them slightly they added a few little things here and there to make them wrong and i don't know if it was intentional i don't know if it's somebody like being like haha i'm getting one over people like i don't know but it's just wrong and like nobody has stopped to like double check it i mean it could have been like a, a grimoire that's like 
these sigils shouldn't just be on here yeah. and 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 you know basically creating a blind yeah. that's, that's that's fair and and the thing is like yeah it's it, it just it, it irks me because it's a really good indication of what is wrong with any of the things online yeah. that are community edited yeah yeah i mean it sounds good in theory um, it assumes that everyone is a is is a good faith actor. Yeah, that everyone yeah. has the intent of actually accurately sharing information. Yeah, and unfortunately, not everybody's very nice like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, it's true. <laughs> it's true. But the thing is, you know, and that's why I said, like, even even Wikipedia, for as as not a great resource as it is, but even yeah, there, I'm sure you know, it, it, unless someone actually li literally deliberately changes the entire page. Um, Which I might. <laughs> um, generally speaking, you're you're probably going to get a fairly accurate, enough to be like, At oh, you know what? Start. I don't think that the whole terror reading gypsy thing is, is, is real. Um, so... Because it's saying here that it was invented in Italy, um, so let me do a little bit more research. But yeah. you know they don't even go that far. They don't even invest that thirty seconds. They're they're just like, oh, I heard this on the internet. It must be true. And now I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna be the next the next um, warrior and ally and you know all the minorities can stay quiet because i'm shouting loud enough so yeah, i don't know <sighs> the internet's a hot mess right now yes it is that's why i need everyone to get their vaccine mm -hmm. that is physically able to get a vaccine so i can leave my house <laughs> yes. and, and and do things and um uh drive to indiana and and do some fun investigations so yeah. i don't have to be listening to people on twitter or on facebook so everyone get your vaccines now because yeah. i've got i've got don't this it for awesome you. library and yeah. ritual chamber and it's mostly just me and Illyria, the cats and all of the Kiprian dead people yeah 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 don't don't get that vaccine for yourself don't get it for your family get it for me like just get it for me i'm cute and i want to go out so yeah I know, right? Your library. I mean, that that needs to be uh, that needs to be visited. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 beautiful and it needs life. I mean, we, we haven't had Kiprian ritual in our ritual space since oh, the last one in person was uh, February 2nd, 2020. Mm hmm. Like we were right onto the the equinox, right, and yeah. like it was the week leading up to it, and I was like, "This is looking sketch. This is looking. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a really hard thing and say nobody should come." Yeah. And and then we went into lockdown. And I was like, "Oh, that was hard, but that was the right call." Oh, because yeah. we, we had people coming in from like you know yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like all over the place. Yeah. I think we only missed Beltane. It could have been Spring Knox. I can't remember. We missed one. We went virtual. I'm pretty sure it was Beltane. And then uh, we met up again for the next few ones. Because here, I mean, I, well, first of all, just the cases of Canada were just low anyways. But where I live, I mean, it's it's a small city. Like, we're only like 100,000 people. I think it's like 120, 130 when you know you include the outlying areas but it's also we're pretty isolated as well yeah. but then you know fall came around and it started to get bad and so yeah i i, I can't remember what our last ritual was but it's been a year since our last yeah. ritual we were going to get together for uh the summer solstice um outside because we can now have well, this was uh, where we started phase two yesterday, so I don't know if the numbers have changed, but when we went into phase one, we are now allowed to have outdoor gatherings of up to uh, 10 people from um, multiple households. Mm. So we were going to get together for a physical ritual outdoors and it rained all day so we went virtual we've had such a crappy summer here so yeah it's been it's pretty rain. much non-stop rain here too but we had a really mild winter and we get the same amount of precipitation for the most part every year so if it doesn't come as snow in the winter time it comes as rain so mm. as much as i like a mild winter because i'm not a winter person I, you just know like, okay, that it's great. It's not minus 40. So that's wonderful. Mm. But come summer, it's not going to be days on end of clear skies and sunshine and high temperatures, you know? But I feel like we're on our way to becoming the next North American rainforest over here. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's hotter than usual. It's muggy and it's just, just constantly wet. Yeah. Yeah, and th that's the problem because it'll, you know, it'll be kind of warm. It'll cool down so you know the rain's coming. It's going to rain. Then it heats back up. So now it's super humid. And it just, that's all it's been doing. That's all it's been doing. And like this heat dome, you know, to the West, yeah. that sucks for them. I mean, there's so many people dying in BC Um from heat from that are that's heat related because like a lot of um canadians don't have air conditioning um because for for the most part we kind of really don't need it yeah well and, and pretty much most of the pacific northwest is the same like normally it's not something that you have to worry yeah. about and and your your buildings are designed to keep heat in you know because I mean, and even in BC, like they don't get like the snow and the cold, like other parts of Canada, but still, um, you know, our buildings are, are designed to keep heat in. So with this heat, oh, and you know, uh, light in B lit, lit in BC um, broke. Oh up. yeah, what, 121 degrees Fahrenheit? Yeah, yeah. Unreal. Um, so it was 49.7 or 49.5, celsius something like that so that's the hottest recorded temperature in canada uh i'm not going to say ever but since records began so that just happened 
And now, as of yesterday evening, they had to evacuate the entire town because a wildfire came rushing through and well, was- at least 90% of the town is completely wiped out. Wow. So they're just, you know, pandemic, heat dome, and now a wildfire. And it's it's just, yeah, it's it's not good. It's you know, and, and they have like 80 wildfires in BC going on right now. 64 yeah, just 64 developed just in the past 24 hours. Discovery you know. Plus had me do this Nostradamus series, and you know, they focused like each one on the different disasters foretold. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, I had a great aunt who was super into Nostradamus. So I was like, yay, I get to use like a, a, another part of my wheelhouse that I never talk about because it's usually wrapped up with some pretty weird conspiracy theory mm-hmm. end yeah. of days Armageddon stuff. Yeah. But um, there's a letter that Nostradamus wrote to his son that I honestly, in reading it in the original French, find even more distressing than than his hundreds of quatrains because he's like couching so much stuff in there that like unless you can can deconstruct his weird astrological associations most of it could be anything right but this letter to his son he's pretty clear that that basically like climate change is coming we're going to do these things to the planet here's what's going to happen and i mean he's describing like and he's like i don't know if it's 100 years or if it's 300 years but like just prepare for this and i'm reading it going it's really hard not to look around and go, yeah, yeah, bro, yeah. here we are. It wasn't your part of the millennia, but it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and just describing how people, uh, you know, as, as arable land uh, is, is destroyed, as crops are destroyed, as fire consumes things, as people start to turn on one another because of it, and, and just kind of looking around going, yep, so... What's, what's the meme now? Don't think of it as the hottest summer of your life. Think of it as the coolest summer of the rest of your life. Oh, God. You know, that's scary. That, that's To think about it that way is really scary. You know, I hated celebrating the mild winter because, I mean, there, you're going to get mild winters that aren't related to climate change. It just... Yeah, but, but, um, I, I still, it's kind of like, it's kind of hard to celebrate this mild winter because I know where it's coming from, you know, with, with the exception of some brief stints in Dallas and Phoenix, I've lived in, in this area of Ohio my whole life. And in the course of my lifetime, it has been undeniable that the climate here and the seasons and the way things has changed like it's just changed in visibly in the past 20 years yeah uh so however you want to say that's happening i think it's impossible to deny that it is happening like whatever the cause is i think the cause is pretty freaking obvious too but if you want to get like political and contentious about that there's no denying this is not normal yeah yeah I know, I know, and there, yeah, and there's nothing we can do about it. I'm, you know, as as regular citizens, you know, with all the protests and the political pressure on on the politicians, you know, 
what that political pressure has done is to make politicians go from ignoring climate change to acknowledging climate change to vowing to do something about climate change but talk is just that talk yeah you know so you know it, it, it's kind of hard to for me to kind of like oh no we just need to really get on our politicians and we can do this as people because it's becoming more and more obvious like with uh with us up here all of these mass graves um in the um uh former residential schools mm -hmm. of of all these these children um as, as all of these are being found and listening to our prime minister who is also currently dragging all the living indigenous children to court as we speak while at the same time the same day that they were actually in court he was like no that's not happening i'm not doing that um so while we're we're finding all these dead indigenous babies and while the prime minister is dragging all of these indigenous kids to court He's like, oh, the change, oh, blah, 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 blah. But that's that's just it. It's just talk. And you know it's just talk because nothing has changed. And it's, you know what I mean? It's just oh, so it's it's like the states. We killed them and we're just gonna name a street after them. I mean, like, like that's that's the reality of it. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, I, just, I just you know i just like i i i know no matter what how many protests or how how my how you know how i changed my life to be more environmentally friendly there's not much i can do about it as that as is a drop in the bucket you know. it has to come from the corporations yeah. it has to come from a much much and and yeah. the reality is that the shape of the society we all live in would have to change has to change so significantly for this to be staved off that yeah. i don't know that anybody a has the will to do it and b the folks who have the actual power are invested in just sweeping it under the rug hoping yeah. for the best and making as much money as they can in the meantime yeah. so that at least once everything is burning they have their little like retreat in New Zealand or wherever they have projected is going to be safe. Yeah, exactly. It, exactly. I think we've already just, we, we have already passed the point of being able to do anything substantially about it and are at the point where there's people who are like, I'm getting mine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, the ones in power are the ones that can, can actually do something about it and they've known about it for years, they made their choices, but they're in the position to, you know, have their safe retreat wherever, they're gonna be fine, it's all good, you know? And the rest of us are just gonna be burning or underwater. And that's just the way it's gonna be, you know? 
shape of the world will not be the same. It already is not. And yeah. What can we do, but just kind of keep doing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And on that happy note. Yeah, I was going to say we're, we're, we're gloomy gusses at the moment. I know, right? After, after so much fun <sighs> gossip and, and behind the scenes at uh, look at Paranormal State and Portals to Hell, then we just went, we just mm. went down. We just went back. dark. <laughs> I mean, on, on the other hand, like, okay, rather, we're, we are, we are folks who do magical work. Yeah. If all else fails, do some fucking magic. Like, it can't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, the thing about that is, um, when when so when trump was running for president and that whole bind trump movement came about and you know everyone was everyone and uh, uh, twitter oh my god every month when it was happening everyone's like oh i'm doing my bind trump spell blah 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 and i okay that's great i mean you know if, if you think you are gonna change things by waving a baby carrot in front of a picture of Trump, knock yourself out. But let's be honest, that was, the Bind Trump movement was a marketing tool to sell a book. That's just, that's just how it is. Sorry, folks. I mean, uh, I think it could also be good therapy because when, when you're powerless, magic has always been the recourse of the marginalized, yeah, it's been a way yeah. of of trying to subvert. You know, when, the, when you have no other option but subversive power, magic has been what you what you fall back to. Yeah, to, but, to, to attempt to get some kind of control over your life. Yeah, the world. But, but waving a baby carrot in front of a picture of Trump once a month isn't going to do jack shit. And I don't care how many people are doing it because you know uh, people that never picked up uh, a magic wand in their life were were getting in on this because it sounded good you know and and they were also scared you know and desperate people do desperate things so people that have never done a spell before doesn't surprise me that they're going to get on you know this whole bind trump movement uh bandwagon thing um but it requires more than that once ever working or you, you know what i mean um it, it it needs it needs to become a part of your not daily routine but a part of your regular if if, if you think you're going to affect nations and politicians if you if you're you need to pull out the big guns you know what i mean um, mm. Donald Trump is so far outside your, your sphere of influence that you need to pull up the big guns. And I had forgotten getting back on the Anakian, uh, conversation. I had forgotten about the 91, um, um, well, there's, you know, some people call them governors and some people say that they're the names of the 91 um, regions of, of the earth that uh, de-identified, you know, through his, his workings. Um, and I forgot about that until yesterday and was like, you know what? 
there are like ready-made mechanisms mm. that are big scale that we have at our disposal that we really should be using you know um if i if you know if i'm that concerned about a political issue or like the environment or whatnot and i know this tool exists um that is designed for these big scale issues shouldn't i be using it you know and yeah so now i'm i'm having to kind of brush up on all that Anakian and uh you know start doing some work well, i hope you have better luck than i do all the things that i work with have pretty much been like this is going to happen this is just supposed to happen just wait well, see that's the thing i I, I'm torn between, I mean, I don't mind doing the work yeah. Um, with kind of like in the back of my head thinking, okay, but I kind of think this whole shit scenario is, is meant to happen, needs to happen, you know? Um, yeah, like, and I don't know if that's me being fatalistic because I, I can be very cynical, but yeah. like, like there's, there's, there's certain directions in which magically I can push and there's certain directions where it's like, don't muck with this. You'll actually make it worse. Yeah. And, and I'll oh. be like, Oh, Oh, okay. Well, um, that, yeah. I don't have like, the full picture. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause like, I'm, I, I typically tend to be like the eternal optimist where it's like, no, we can do this. We just got to do this and it doesn't have to be this way. And it could be so much better, blah, 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 utopia, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so for me to be like, you know, I feel like there's indications like this is inevitable because it's it's meant to be, it has to happen, um, is atypical for me, you know? So it's not your fatalism or, or cynicism, I don't think. I mean, I'm, yeah, I could be wrong. Um, but I don't know. It's just, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I, you know, I'm a big believer on, you know, doing magic within your your sphere of influence and um you know like a, like a, and and we know because like when this whole bind trump movement came about so then all of these magicians were like oh we're gonna do spells of protection for trump so and you have all <laughs> now these, we're all just these, walk, working across purposes yeah and and you have all the evangelicals praying for trump so and and what? let's be honest, working magic and just acting like that's normal. Uh, demon semen lady, don't even get me started. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how how influential are you gonna be, you know, with the big issues and, and the big people? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I I I, so, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not Wiccan by any stretch. So like the whole, like, you know, and it harm none, blah, blah, blah. That is not quite how, how I work. Um, right. I mean, consent and, and things are pretty important, but, uh, and, and actually I think it's probably just an extent of, of consent. So I've, I've never really outside of like people I teach, um, 
tried to articulate this, but there's any, any type of working that I do, no matter what system of magic I'm working with, there's a point where I sort of like kind of put feelers out into the warp and the weft of reality mm-hmm. and go, is this possible? Like, like what pieces do I need to move and, and, and shape? And like, can I do this? Should I do this? And if I feel something kind of push back, like, like sometimes as subtle as the surface tension of water. So you have to be very careful of like, mm, no, yeah, no. And, and it's not necessarily, no, that's bad. Uh, it's more, you don't know all the pieces mm-hmm. and you can't predict how this action, like if you take this action, there will be unintended consequences. Yeah. And you can definitely, I, I, it is possible to push past that and do the working anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have learned through many years of doing this that indeed there are unintended consequences yeah. when you push yeah. and you get that sort of like reality, whatever, whatever, whether it's a, for me, I experience it not as clear as a God or a goddess or, or even like a, an anthropomorphized voice. It's just this, this sense of like something just kind of pushing back a little bit of like, mm, no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I've just learned don't mess with that. Like <laughs> probability says this is not the working for you. Yeah. Uh, and like, there's a few things that I can kind of like poke and steer at. And it, it, it feels like chipping away at a much bigger thing, but there's a lot of machinery. There's a lot of, there is an overwhelming sense of many fingers in these pots. Yeah. yeah. And each one of them is pulling on different threads and strings. Yeah. And many of them are working at cross purposes. And I think we underestimate the amount of uh, well-developed, educated magic, perhaps by other terms, that is being employed by multiple different factions in all of this. Like we are not, I, I think sometimes people who are like, I'm a witch, I'm, I'm an occultist. Like we, we feel so um, isolated and so unique, especially in the culture that we grew, grew mm-hmm. up in, that we we assume nobody else practices this stuff like 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 this is we are the outliers like nobody yeah. can do this certainly no one in power no one in the mainstream well they might not call it the same thing and they might who freaking knows yeah um but don't ever make the mistake of assuming you're the only one working something yeah exactly exactly and i mean also too with like like big issues like climate change um I think it's impossible for you to really grasp the unintended consequences. Like the so big, many moving parts. Yeah. I mean, just, just to call a storm, just to call a storm, there are so many moving parts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the bigger the issue, the more, um, the harder it's going to be for you to be able to grasp um, and understand the, the unintended consequences. So it, you know, you just, you just feel like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um, well, it's, it's also something that I, it, it's sort of the luxury of being uh, an earlier, uh, less seasoned practitioner where you don't know all the consequences. So you don't think about them. You don't stop. You're just like, I have this idea and I have the will. Boom. And you sort of like happen to reality. 
Yeah. And that's how we all have some very interesting stories about like, you know, citywide power outages or, you know, three storms that converged out of nowhere because it was a bet among friends about who could give somebody a snow day. Not yeah. that I'm talking about an actual thing. And no, you know, no, no, never. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. And but, I but think like, there's this that, that thing where like when you don't know any better, you can almost do more because you don't stop yourself and go, but should I? Yeah. It's it's the it's the drunk driver that never gets injured. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's the same sort of con- concept, and you can tell who has the interesting stories based on how they talk about big issues like this. What are the unintended consequences? I can't even grasp the unintended consequences on a matter so large. If you hear someone talking like that, you know they have some pretty interesting stories because if you've never had to deal with the unintended consequences, you don't think about the unintended consequences. Yeah, and, and we're not talking like, oh, oops, some books fell over. Yeah. No, it's the, oh my God, I think this shit is real and I just did that. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, now what? What does that mean? Oh my God, what are, what are the moral implications? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah i didn't expect that in my response oh shit <laughs> yeah yeah so you know so yeah those, those those things that keep you up at night sometimes yeah so think of that but on a global scale and, well, and, and it's some people will be like well if you can do magic or if you're psychic why can't you predict the lottery numbers first of all can you think of how many people consciously or unconsciously are grabbing at that and trying yeah. to influence that that's not like, magic. I, I did. Wants to try to do. The amount of work that you would have to put in as one individual to overcome all the, even just yeah. the unconscious people. I did magically come up with the lotto numbers. I, I, I did it with my six numbers. I asked for the winning six numbers. I got the winning six numbers, but 10 million other people consciously or unconsciously did the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, Doreen Virtue in one of her novels, and I can't remember if it was Sea Priestess or Moon Magic. I can't remember which one. Her character explains magic as, as a force so well. And, you know, um, well, why can't you use magic to win the lottery? And the way she explains magic as a weak force and the, the lottery um, uh, thing in particular, you know, there's so many people that, you know, let's say you have, you know, a thousand magicians and another 5,000 like knowingly psychic people and another 10,000 very psychic people that don't know they're psychic. And then another... 20,000 people that are psychic because everyone's psychic to one degree or another. They're all working those same mm-hmm. six numbers. You know what I mean? But she explains it so well, so concisely and so clearly from like from a magical practitioner to a non-magical practitioner. And that's what makes that whole part of the book so valuable um, because She's explaining it from someone with knowledge to someone without knowledge. And it just 
made so much sense, uh, made it so easy to understand and it was such a brilliant part of the book. But it is like magic is a weak force, you know? Um, and no, I'm chances are I'm not gonna, the six numbers that I pull magically, psychically, whatever, chances are they're not gonna be the winning numbers because, you know, it's just, you know, the odds. No, there's there's so As, many minds on it. The ultimate the yeah. end result is, is just still chaos. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. You know, and yeah. And I also find too, like, I mean, I've never been <laughs> never I just had this conversation with uh uh my friend uh Frater R C. Um mm. it, it was in relation to something uh and an Enochian working that oh I can talk about this. So um we uh, have a like an online group and um uh, isn't that always the fun thing where it's like i have this wait can i tell this story yeah. how much yeah. of this story can i tell yeah oh yeah so my my friend frater rc um has his um hermetic mystery school uh website and you can join and take classes with him in this group and it's a lot of fun and i mean he's so, oh, he's going to hear this because he's such a huge fan of yours. So I know he's going to listen to this episode. I was just gonna say, so yeah, um, uh, he's so brilliant and like he he um, he's GD and he he started in a GD temple at sixteen. Like I'm not going to tell his story, but anyway, he's he's brilliant. He's just he's he's so brilliant. So magical rock star. Go yeah, on. yeah, yeah. That yeah, he's a magical rock star. So anyways. Um, um, so he's doing this fun stuff with, with this group. So I, I joined them and, um, the first session that I joined, um, we decided to invoke, uh, Kamara and King Kamara and Prince Haganel. Uh, and with, um, Sigilt and, and with the intelligence with the intention of asking what what colors the, the sigil should be and um you know he's like you, you know you can ask for something blah 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 and so we start with um enoch's prayer and and then you know you move on to the invocations and so during enoch's prayer i'm like you know I'm going to ask King Kamara, like, if I keep doing what I'm doing with my business, like, it's going to stay, you know, viable and, you know, uh, like, I don't have to do anything, you know, major changes for it to, you know, not crash. And maybe I'll ask, you know, uh, Prince Hagenel just for a little boost in, in my business. And I'm like, nah, no, I know. <laughs> I'm not going to ask these because I know the answer that I want. I know um, I want King Kamar to be like, oh, you're good. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's the answer I want here. So if that's the answer I get, I'm going to doubt it. Mm -hmm. I know that's the answer I want. If I don't hear the answer that I want, if he's like, well, actually, things are going to happen. So you're going to have to change your business model, how you go about doing things if you want to keep your business viable. I'm going to doubt it as well and probably, 
not make any changes and mm. and it may end up being too late you know what i mean so i'm like i'm yeah, i'm just gonna get the colors for the sigil no big deal so we do the working blah 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 it's all good we finish close down i eat something you know then I go to my computer and I look and there's an email and the email came in at 9.02 p.m. Well, at 9.02, we were in the process of invoking Prince Hagenel. And who is the email from? It is from a company that wants to distribute my products in China and Hong Kong and mm -hmm. the rest of Asia. You know, because you just need to be like up to your neck in beeswax for like the next 30 years, like yeah. just yeah. literally tons of it. Yeah. So <laughs> I I got what I asked for without asking for it, although I was thinking about it. That's enough. And I and, and, and realizing that that's enough. But here's the thing. And this is why I'm telling the story is because I'm not greedy. I would never be like, oh, give me the lottery numbers. Um I, and, you know, I don't do a lot of money magic or prosperity magic for myself. I've never really needed to. Um, I, I, I find that because I, I kind of maintain a good daily spiritual practice that I find that it's almost like, you know, living a healthy lifestyle where you're keeping a good immune system like you're 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 preventing getting a cold as opposed mm -hmm. to popping the pills when you get a cold so i i've never been greedy in, in any of my asks on the rare occasion that i do have asks so i think you know the two of them were like you know he technically didn't ask it although we know that's what he wants um, he didn't ask, he's not a dick, or at least he's not being a dick to yeah. us. Um, he's not being greedy. He asked for a little boost and he just doesn't want his business to fail. You know, like his question was, you know, like, can I just keep doing what I'm doing and stay successful? So let's yeah, give, him, let's give him, yeah, let's give him a little bit. You know, yeah, I really, I can't, I cannot and overstate I the usefulness of just regular daily practice, basically making your magic what you do every day. Yeah. yeah. Without fanfare, just with, as, as part of what you're doing. Or as much like, fanfare as you want. You can make it as yeah. simple or as complicated yeah. as you want. I mean, I, I go on full robe, mm. full temple regalia uh, <clears throat> on a daily basis, but that's just when you know i mean there's I mean, times in my life you do whatever works for you i i I'm, I'm less like trappings but because most of my work is not in this thing at all yeah um so it's more about like what i do to my spaces which I, at this point like it's it's easy to tell that like my space around me is fairly important because yeah. it's sort of like the central part of the, the rest of the stuff, what i'm doing mm -hmm. Yeah, I find for me personally, well, first of all, I mean, I like pomp and ceremony, period. But I find if I go, you know, more full on regalia, I slow down, I mm. really slow down in mind and body 
which is what I really, really need in life is to really slow down and to walk slow and to speak slow and to move slow. And if I'm going to go through all the effort of setting up, you know, the ritual space and the robes and everything, then I'm, I'm not going to half-ass it and do a 10 minute thing. I'm going to, I'm going to do my full daily work and, you know, um, it just, it, it, it helps in, in, in that sense. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I, I, I find that having like that regular daily practice, just it's, it's, um, spiritual maintenance, just like physical maintenance of, of maintaining a good immune system. So you don't get sick. So, you know, so they, they, they did me a solid because I'm not constantly seeking out this spirit and that spirit and this angel and that angel money, 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 money. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll ask. No, I'm I'm not. No, I'm not going to ask. I'm just, I just want colors. So angels, demons, climate collapse, and some juicy stuff behind the scenes, paranormal state. <laughs> I think it's a good episode. For, that makes for a really, really good episode. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Very well-rounded. And uh, two and a half hours. I mean, that's, yeah. Um, yeah, not too short, not too long. Yeah, I think. I think that's a good place to stop. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on that note, thank you for being my first uh, returning guest. I really appreciate it. Um, It was really nice to really finish off that story though, because we really, um, we cut scened at the best Mm. part um, last episode. So yeah. So uh, we kept the audience hanging. So that was pretty good. As usual, you pulled out some some interesting insight into my own practice that I don't normally talk about. So some some juicy stuff for folks who know and like have a a deeper appreciation for some of the ins and outs of magic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm apparently I'm good at that because I've had Mm -hmm. I've had um almost half of my guests um like email me or text me or whatever afterwards saying like you just pulled stuff out of me that I never talk about and I never tell people. So apparently that's my gift. Friendly, disarming, you make a great space. So yeah. well, thank you. Thank you. Um, so all of your links, mm-hmm. websites, social media, everything I'm putting in the show notes. So, you know, for everyone that's listening or watching, you know, be sure to check out um, all of those links, follow Michelle on social media, um, uh, you know, especially like, like Facebook and, and, and Instagram, um, you can take part in the, uh, the weekly connection ritual, which is a lot of fun. And I so look forward to that now. It's really a great way for me to like, end my week and, and end that day Saturday. Um, so that's, that's always perfect. And, uh, yeah, so check out all the links website that I provide in the show notes, mm-hmm. follow Michelle all across social media. And thank you once again, my dear, I really appreciate you coming on and all of your fantastic stories and, um, happy Canada day and happy independence day. 
which is hopefully we don't burn the country down while we're I, putting off fireworks during a drought <laughs> yeah, anywhere I, other than where i'm at i know right um, well we'll know before this episode actually airs yeah so you never know there is one thing since you were talking about telling interesting real stories through fiction mm-hmm. i have a short story coming out in an anthology um by aaron french and the anthology is called there is no death there is no dead or there are no dead um it's due out i think in august okay um it, i'm in there shannon mcguire laird baron a whole bunch of other heavy hitters it's all about spirit communication and, and oh. that was really like the only thing was was spiritualism spirit communication write a story about that okay and without hyperbole i believe it is the best piece of short fiction i have written probably in my career oh because of how genuine it is how own voice it it, it, there's there's a lot of pieces that come together in it i'm really thrilled with it it's called the shape of her soul okay so if folks enjoy fiction with a side of magic and, and and whatever uh there is no dead there there is no death there are no dead um, and I'll be I'll be blasting it out, but that short okay. piece okay. is in there, and I'm really quite proud of it. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll Google that title and get a couple of links to put up so people can like I assume it's going to be on Amazon yeah. and whatnot. So. Yeah, I, I think right now it'll take you to like an Indiegogo campaign, but it oh, will okay. be available on Amazon and everything else. Um, this is the same person who did the Demons of Solomon book, uh, so okay. You know, okay does does anthologies on nifty occult and magical topics but fiction yeah uh, which lets me you know stretch stretch those wings yeah 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 that's awesome okay so whatever like if i whatever uh link i come across um if if it's indiegogo like whatever i'll just i'll post that as well in the show notes so that's great awesome is there anything else that you want to uh promote um in particular anything new no, no. Okay. I mean that—that's pretty much the the next big thing that I'm allowed to talk about. Like, there's right. there's other stuff always, but that, that one since it's coming out in August, that's the next new one. And I really had a lot of fun writing it, and want it want, want people to read it. Awesome. It's, okay. a good, it's a good little story. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Okay. Well, then, um, on that note, have a good night and you as well. have a good weekend. And yeah, don't burn down your country because that just yeah. that just sucks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lux Files. You'll find all the guest links in the show notes, as well as the link www.leilokanzawin.com slash links. That link will get you to my page of links, where you can then go to my Leilokanzawin website, the Lux Files page, and my Leilokanzawin YouTube channel that has all the Lux Files videos. It also has all my social media links there, so you can follow me and the Lux Files. And don't forget to subscribe to the Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving me a review. Until next time.